The Gospel of Luke, chapter 10. Kind of going along with what we've been talking about in parables. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And I hate to leave it out. Look at verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place whither he himself would come, or where he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Always been a problem, employment problem, hadn't it? Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways, behold, I'll send you forth as lambs among wolves. This world has never been conducive or friendly to gospel witnesses. Carry neither purse nor scrip nor shoes and salute no man by the way. I'm going to leave that to the 70. Those are instructions to the 70 that he's sending out. He's not telling us that. You got to have a pocketbook to put your money in. You got to have some money. You got to have shoes. But at that time, the Lord was able to provide. He still is able to provide, but He hasn't told us that He's going to provide like that for us. Lots of times a guy says he's called to preach and then just jump up, quit his job and everything and have no way at all to make a living for his family. We can't do that. You can't do that at all. We've got to still provide for our, for our responsibilities. So he says, and what, into whatsoever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. So that would be a, Good, a good blessing to go into a house on. Start off with, with the right foot forward. Yeah. And to the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the, sa- and in the same house remain eating and drinking. Now that's not alcoholic beverages. We use the term, he's drinking, we, we know he mean alcohol. But that's not what the Lord means here. Eating and drinking, such things as they give for the laborer is worthy of his hire, go not from house to house. So if somebody's going to feed you, stay with them. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Everything right with it. And into whatsoever city you enter, 
and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein. We can't do that. But they could at that time. Uh, where am I? Heal the sick, verse 9. And say unto them, The kingdom of God has come now or near unto you. Well, representatives of the kingdom are there. But into whatsoever center, city you enter, and they receive you not, go your ways out into the streets of the same, and say, Even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you, notwithstanding, be you sure of this, that the kingdom of God is come near unto you. So, we've got a verse that says, warns us to not cast our pearl before the swine. He's telling them the same thing. If they say they don't want to hear what you've got, they want nothing to do with you, shake the dust of your feet off and go somewhere else. That's still for today. But I hear people say, oh, no, you need to keep on going. Keep it. I don't think so. Anyway, now this is talking about those cities that don't receive them. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom than for that city. Well, we know what Sodom was guilty of. And you want to talk about the judgment of God, one of the things you might bring up is Sodom and Gomorrah. But he said it would be more tolerable for them than for those cities that reject the gospel, reject the gospel as. Woe unto thee, Chorazin. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, <coughs> which had been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Well, I don't know about that. That's what it said. It means whatever it says. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And thou Capernaum, I've heard some say it Capernaum, but I think it's Capernaum, which art exalted to heaven. Now, of course, you understand. Tyre and Sidon, they're not Jewish cities. Bethsaida and Chorazin and Capernaum, Capernaum or Capernaum, they're Jewish cities. Which are exalted to heaven shall be thrust down to hell. Serious judgment. All right. He that heareth you, that is God's spokesman. They're called evangelists or gospelizers. They that go forth and preach the gospel. He that heareth you, heareth me. We're not saying we're God. Now the... 
the liberals and the haters, atheists and all, they would say, oh, they're, they're claiming they're God. They're some kind of, uh, some kind of goofball, crazy. Say they're gods. Well, it's, it, it's like, it's like the Montanists. One of the early groups there in Phrygia, one of, the, one of the earliest groups of Baptists, they accused Montanus, the most well-known of them. And they called them after him Montanus, followers of Montanus, Latin names. And it's amazing how many Baptists go right along with this. Claimed that he claimed that he was the Holy Spirit. Well, we ought to be slow, very slow, to believe a charge against a brother or sister in Christ. Not quick, extremely slow. Our covenant says slow to take offense. And we ought to be slow to, to receive an accusation against a brother or sister in Christ. And you see, these people, the Montanists, Donatists, and the Novations, and so on, all of them, they believed like us. They were brethren in Christ. Don't come with some Tommy Rot like that telling me that he believed he was the Holy Spirit. You just ain't got sense enough to know what you're looking at. There's the problem. And shooting your mouth off about something you don't know what you're talking about. When I speak the word of God, I'm speaking from the Holy Spirit. Am I not? Am I saying I'm the Holy Spirit? Of course not. It was the Holy Spirit that inspired this word. It's the Holy Spirit that, that indwells in me to preach the word of God. That's how the Holy Spirit. And, and what does Jesus say? He that heareth you, heareth me. <coughs> now can I take that and say, well, I'm Jesus Christ. Not at all. What a Dupkoff. You know what that is, don't you? That's a dummy in German. <laughs> That's what. <laughs> and he that despiseth you despiseth me. Now that word despise does not mean hate. I had one preacher try to tell me well, what it means today, but that ain't what it meant then, dummy. It meant lightly regard. Literally the word is think down on. Don't think much of it. I tend to think that a lot of people today don't think much of the Lord's churches. Why well, I don't think it's very important to come. Could that be? Anyway, he that heareth you heareth me. 
He that despiseth you despises me. And he that despiseth me despises him that sent me. Now who sent God the Son? God the Father. Woo! That goes right up the line, doesn't it? Now you're not a saved person that despises God and Jesus Christ. Not at all. And the same thing would be true of God's spokesman. So, well, do you remember in Acts 5, in the church at Jerusalem, when that man and his wife, Ananias and Sapphira, yeah. they conspired in their hearts together to lie to whom? The Holy Spirit? Oh, that's what it said, isn't it? Oh, well, I was just lying to the church. Oh, no. Look over there to Acts 5 real quick. But a certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Don't know what it is. Doesn't make any difference what it is. It was a possession, something they owned. And obviously didn't have a mortgage on it. (laughs) And they kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it. She is on the inside of it. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now this is in the church at Jerusalem. But Peter said, Ananias, who has, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? Somebody said, well, it's just lying to Peter and the church. But that's to the Holy Ghost. Who's indwelling the church? That came on the day of Pentecost, just a little bit before this. And to keep back part of the price of the land, while while it remained, was it not thine own? It was all yours, it it didn't belong to nobody else. And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? You sold it, you had all the money. (coughs) Why is thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. So I thought it was the Holy Ghost. Well, the Holy Ghost, the third part of the triune Godhead. And Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. He died. And great fear came on all them that heard these things. And the young men arose, wound him up, not a shroud, but wrapped. Clothes around him. They didn't put him in shroud. You had to have money to do that. They didn't put Jesus in a shroud. Lying Catholic Church, they got all, it's all up there right now. The shroud that Jesus was, the shroud of Turin. And people pay big money to go and look at it. He wasn't buried in a shroud. He was wrapped up in grave clothes, just like this right here. And they carried him out and buried him. Didn't cremate him, they buried him. 
It was about the space of three hours after when his wife, not knowing what was done, came in. She didn't get to go to the burial, did she? <laughs> and Peter answered unto her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, Yea, for so much. Now, it doesn't make any difference what the amount was. But he quoted the amount that Ananias had lied about. And she agreed with the lie. Then Peter said unto her, How is it that you have agreed together to tempt the Spirit of the Lord? Now, we're not talking, we're talking about the same Holy Ghost, the same God. Behold, the feet of them which have buried thy husband are at the door and shall carry thee out. They're saying, Man, how much work we're going to get? <laughs> Hopefully, it'll slow down. I mean, that's burying two people and one right after another. And so, then fell she down a straight way at his feet. Didn't take her long to die. And yielded up the ghost. And the young men came in, found her dead, and carrying her forth, buried her by her husband. And great fear came upon all the assembly, upon as many as heard these things. Well, I guess my point is, they lied to the church, but that's the same thing. As lying to God. Well, a lot of people don't understand that. But that's the way it is. Anyway, verse 17, back in Luke 10. And the 70 returned again with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Well, I know that Revelation 12, you know, we see actually two falls of Satan. One of them took a long time ago. One of them hadn't happened yet. Revelation 12. A lot, of, a lot of folks say, that's all ancient history. Well, this was history. When did Jesus behold Satan as lightning fall from heaven? I think what he's pointing out here is the sudden, fast fall from heaven. Well, look at Isaiah 14, when he's cast out of heaven. But then there's another time coming, that Revelation 12 says, when he knows he has but just a short time, and he's cast out into the earth. He's already the prince of the power of the air. But they said uh, demons... Uh, are subject unto us through your name. How about this? Jesus said, you think that's something? 
I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. <laughs> Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and <coughs> nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now that's to the 70. He gave them special Protections, special powers. So he said, I've given you the power that you can tread on serpents and scorpions. Well, generally, you step on a scorpion, you're going to get bit. You step on a serpent, a poisonous snake, you're going to get bit. And that's why you're supposed to put on boots or those cuffs and things around your lower leg when you're out walking where snakes are. <laughs> so, but he said, you got the power to do it. He didn't tell us that. This is to the 70. But he says, notwithstanding, even with all of that, that I'm giving you the special protection, special privileges, special powers, that's not what I want you rejoicing in. Not that the, rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, But rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That goes right along with Revelation. That book of life that was filled up from the foundation of the, of the world. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven, not because you can do this and do that. Keep a little balance on things here. All right. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven. And earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. If you know God the Father through Jesus Christ the Lord, it's because he has been revealed to you Amen. by the sovereign God. Amen. And he turned him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. All right. Uh, now he gets us an historical event. Then he's going to give us a parable. When I notice our subject matter here, everything we're dealing with, the 70 set forth, some reject, some receive. The demons are subject to the disciples. But now he says these things are hid from the wise and the prudent. And he's going to show you an example of that right now. <clears throat> A certain lawyer. Now if you take the uh, Matthew and Mark account with the Luke account, then you come up with 
a certain rich young ruler. That's harmonizing those accounts. You get that, the rich young ruler. It just says certain lawyer here. But when you get Matthew's and Mark's accounts, you get rich young ruler. He stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Now, why would he try to tempt the Lord? Well, I think as with the rest of them, he's trying to, he's trying to trick him, trap him. Some say, some equate an innocent attitude, innocent purpose with him. But I don't think it's all that innocent. May have been, but I don't know. I think he's trying, as many of the others, trying to trick the Lord, trap him. Notice what it says, Master. Now in Matthew, didn't Jesus say, Call no man on earth your master, rabbi, teacher, father. Don't use those flattering titles for human beings on earth. You have a master in heaven. You have a teacher. But now that's this rich young ruler. He's a Jew. He's a Pharisee. He's looking at Jesus not as the Lord of glory, not as the, the Son of Man, the God-man on earth. He's looking at him as a teacher. And so Jesus asked him, he said unto let's see, where am I? He tempted him saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And I think the way that reads literally, doing what shall I inherit? Well, that's Phariseeism. But now, folks, that ain't just Pharisees. I'm going to say, I don't know if I'm qualified to give you any percentage or not, because I haven't been out there for a while doing that. But I'll guarantee you, you could go to about any church in this whole county, and if you could interview those going in or coming out of the church and ask them, how can a man be saved? I'll bet they'd come up with something very similar. Very few would say, by absolute sovereign grace of God, through the blood of Jesus Christ. Very few would. Well, you've got to keep, you've got to do right. You've got to keep the law. Well, that's what they'd all say, or a big part of them would. All right, so, uh, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life. You don't inherit eternal life. Now he said unto him, that is Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How readest thou? Why would Jesus take him to the law when he came and destroyed the law? <laughs> he didn't destroy the law. 
And he, that's the rich young ruler, answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus said to him, Thou hast answered right, This do, and thou shalt live. Now, I don't know how old the rich young ruler was. At my age, I'd call a 60-year-old young. Actually, I'm getting close to calling a 70-year-old young. Is that awful? Never dreamed I'd be this old. But I doubt he was a teenager. Probably 30s. I think they had to be 30 to be a Pharisee. So I'm going to say 30s. 30s. And uh, we got a problem. Houston, we've got a problem. What's our problem? He hadn't done that. If you's going to be saved by the law, Old Testament or New Testament or right now. If you're going to go to heaven by keeping the law, it has to start the second you're born. And continue till that last breath. Houston, we've got a problem. We've got a big problem. He had a big problem. We've all got a big problem because nobody is going to go to heaven off of law keeping. Nothing wrong with law keeping. Now that's what Jesus answered when they asked him about the two greatest commandments. That's what Jesus answered. That's a good answer. But now, he knows he hadn't done that, but now he says, Thou hast answered right, this do and thou shalt live. But you can't do it. It's way, way too late. Much, much too late. But he willing to justify himself said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Now he presents a supposed problem. Well, the only reason I haven't done this is because I don't know who my neighbor is. Well, and Jesus answering said, a certain man. Now we get a little parabolic teaching here. Didn't name him, certain man. What man? Just a certain man. Went down from Jerusalem, probably a Jew if he was in Jerusalem. Wasn't too many Gentiles living in Jerusalem at that time. (coughs) He went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. 
and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and that's about two days' labor wages, and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Now which, which now of these three, thinkest thou, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. But it, he's got all kinds of problems here now. Well, we look at this. Went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Isn't that what Adam did? He was in the presence of God and went down. Okay. So that might be true for the whole human race, and I believe it is. And he fell among thieves. Very hostile world we're in. And they stripped him of his raiment. Well, we know that Adam and Eve got stripped of their raiment. At least the knowledge of it. They here they appeared naked. And they try to make themselves some coverings out of fig leaves. And they didn't do the job. God had to make the coverings. But they wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Well, Jesus or the Lord told Adam, in the day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And I do not know why it is so difficult for these Armenians to try to contend that man is not dead in trespasses and sins. He's just been badly wounded. So how was Adam left half dead? He was spiritually dead and dying physically. Verse 31. And by chance there came a... See, all these are certain. A certain man, a certain Levite, a certain priest... A certain priest came by that way, by chance. He wasn't out after people to rescue. And when he saw him, that is the, the man stripped of his raiment, dying and half dead, left in a ditch, he saw him, he passed by on the other side. That is a priest. 
And likewise, a Levite, there's also a Levitical tribe that deals with the law. When he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. Now the priest didn't even go over there and look at him. He just passed by on the other side. The Levite looks over in there, there ain't nothing I can do here, and he goes by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan. Now what is a Samaritan? He's a mixture. People say, what, what's your nationality? I'm a mutt. That's what I am. They call it a Heinz, fifth seven varieties. I don't know what all I am. I don't know where all they came from. There ain't no telling what's in my background. Samaritans had to say about the same thing. <coughs> and you know what happened when Jesus went to Samaria? <coughs> His apostles didn't want to go with him. <coughs> didn't want him to go. But he said, I must needs go. <coughs> so, Look real quick at John 8. <coughs> I don't know, I've got something choked in there. Anyway. John 8. You know when you get mad at somebody and you let that temper go. Now, none of you all have ever done that. But if it ever happened to you, you start digging deep for insults to slam, slander with, don't you? Can't you, can't you see how that could happen? I mean, what kind of names can you throw at them? Look at verse 48 of chapter 8 of John. Verse 47 first. He that is of God heareth God's words. Y'all therefore hear them not because you are not of God. Oh. Mm. Jesus told them the truth. And they don't like it. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Say we not well that thou art a Samaritan? And has the devil digging deep, aren't they? But Jesus presents himself as a certain Samaritan. Now, why is that? Because he is the kinsman redeemer. He had to become kin to us in order to redeem us. And he didn't just redeem Jews. He redeemed. God so loved. The world. All kinds of people in the world. And he became kin to all of them. That's not everybody in the world. 
It's all kinds of people in the world. So, the Samaritan, as he journeyed, <laughs> I love this. The priest passed by on the other side. The Levite looked over there and he got on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, look at this, <laughs> came where he was. Isn't that good? That's where the Lord came for me, where I was. And when he saw him, he had compassion on him. Went to him and bound up his wounds. Pouring in oil and wine. Now folks, he didn't pour wine in the mouth. He poured the wine in the wound. Now why would you pour wine in a wound if it's got alcohol in it? Because alcohol kills germs, that's why. And the oil helps to heal. So when you don't have a pharmacy to go to, those are things that are handy that you can use. One time I ran a, ran a nail through my shoe. The sole of my foot, it came out through the top of my shoe. All the way through my foot. I was about seven or eight or something like that. My dad had old K-12 International. It was a big truck then. Had running boards on it. And on the running boards, you got a big canister there. And you take the top off there, you got three other canisters. And they're full of coal oil, and they got a big wick on them. When you break down, in those days, that's what you use to warn people that you're broke down. You put a light to it, and it burns. You put one on one end, one on the other. He simply, he took my shoe off, of course got that nail out, and took the top off of one of those canisters, and put my whole foot down in that coal oil. And I want you to know, not only did it heal, it never even got sore. Oh, you got to have these modern medicines. Baloney! Anyway, he poured in oil and wine. Right, right in the same vein is what that is. Anyway, and he set him on his own beast. And brought him to the an inn and took care of him. Now some brethren preach that as the church. Not only did he save him, pick him up out of the ditch, but he brought him to one of the Lord's churches. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Kind of like what Paul said about Onesimus Which now these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves. And he said, that He that showed mercy on him. Then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Now the problem with the rich young ruler is he's got too many hang-ups. He can't do that. He's too proud of being a Jew. He can't do that. 
Now, I don't know what that certain man was. Was he a Jew? Whatever. It doesn't say what it was. He just went from Jerusalem to Jericho. But putting that Samaritan in there, that throws a big monkey wrench, a bigger monkey wrench into the doings of that rich young ruler. He can't function like that because he, he, he's just not like that. I think he might have been saved later, but anyway. All right.